entrance into Jerusalem. I want to read it one more time just to refresh our memory as we dig in. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there, and her colt is with her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king is coming to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. They placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut their branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! So when Jesus entered Jerusalem and the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, Well, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Can you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, uh, just be in my words and in my heart and in my life. Lord Jesus, uh, help us connect with you and your kingship and what your rule can mean for our lives and for our family, for our community and for our world. We need you as our king. Uh, the things that have gone on this week in Nashville and other places remind us of that. So Lord Jesus, we pray, be with us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. He's been to Jerusalem several times uh, for different festivals and, and kind of the usual stuff. But this time, he chooses to enter Jerusalem in a different way. And so we can tell from the story, he takes charge of the situation. This is not an accident. This is intentional, right? Because Jesus says to his disciples, hey, there's a village ahead. Go in there. You're going to find a donkey and colt. Go get them. Bring them back here. I need them today. And so the disciples don't question anything. They go. They do what Jesus asked. They bring the colt back. They put their coats on him. Jesus gets on the donkey, comes into Jerusalem. And as he comes in, a crowd gathers, and that crowd begins to praise, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, salvation in the highest heaven. And as Matthew is reminded of this event, it makes him think back to the prophet Zechariah a prophet who lived 500 years before this very event and what Zechariah had said on that day 500 years earlier. Say to daughter Zion, say to Jerusalem, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the indication is quite clear. Jesus, by and large, kept his ministry underground for three years. He didn't want it to be highly publicized. He tried to lie low as much as possible. But on this day, almost 2,000 years ago, 
he intentionally chooses an image of entrance into Jerusalem that would without question be a vocal display of his claim as king of the Jews. Jesus was making it clear for all to see, this is who I am, this is why I've come, and this is why you're going to kill me, is in fact kind of what he's saying. Because historically, you know, there's a lot of debate about did this happen or did that happen, but there are some historical things that occurred in history that are without question. One thing is, is Jesus died on a cross in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. The second is the reason why he died on that cross. He died on that cross because, as Pilate said, he claimed to be king of the Jews. And this was the event that probably began to set up his end later that week. And so Jesus clearly sees himself as not, not only just a king of the Jews, but the king of the Jews. And as the prophecy of Zechariah declares, um, 500 years before, this image was set forth of a king that comes not with a sword, not with shield, not with spear, not with AK-47, not with a shotgun, not even with a Colt 45 or tanks or anything else. Here comes a king, humble, riding on a donkey. Instead of coming to conquer by force, he comes to you and me and says, will you receive me as your king? He comes as a king by invitation rather than by force. He comes as the king of peace, as Zechariah proclaimed 500 years earlier. Now, I want you to think about this. Zechariah came on the scene, I believe, about 100 years uh, after Israel had lost their last king. Israel has not had a king in 100 years when Zechariah writes what he writes. And at this time, they're coming back to Jerusalem. They're starting to repair things. They're building the wall again. They're rebuilding the houses again. They're rebuilding God's temple again. They're trying to reestablish their identity as the people of Israel without a king. So Zechariah comes on the scene and says, listen, a king is coming. Don't look for him with a sword and spear. Look for him on a donkey and a colt. And so that's the image Jesus brings to us, the image of the king. Now, with this image, um, it's a very different image than the Jewish nation at the time expected. It's also a different image than we often think about when it comes to what is a king here to do. And so I want to share with you just a little bit of what George MacDonald, one of my favorite theologians, an author, Scottish author, he's been dead over 100 years, but still great words, says about the nature of Jesus's kingship. What was Jesus after? And he talks about it in terms of his conversation with Pilate in John's gospel, but this is how it goes. He says, but Jesus shows Pilate and us that his kingdom is a very different kind from what is called the kingdom in this world. The rank and rule of this world 
were, are uninteresting to Jesus. You see, he might have had them with his disciples to follow him and 12 legions of angels to help them. He might soon have driven the Romans into the abyss. What would have been easier for him than to have thus cleared the way and then reigned over the world as the just monarch that was the dream of the Jews. He might from Jerusalem have ruled the world, not merely dispensing what people call justice, but compelling atonement, that is, forcing people to be right with him and with God. But he did not care for government. No such kingdom would serve the ends of his Father in heaven or comfort his own soul. What was the perfect empire to the Son of God when he might teach one human being to love his neighbor and to be good like his Father, to be a love helper to one heart for its joy and the glory of the Father? That was the beginning of true kingship. The Lord would rather wash feet of his weary brothers than be the one only perfect monarch that ever ruled the world. It was empire that he rejected when he ordered Satan behind him like a dog to his heel. Government, I repeat, was to him flat, stale, and unprofitable. What then is the kingdom over which the Lord cares to reign? For he says he came into the world to be a king. I answer, a kingdom of kings and no other. Where every man and woman is a king or queen, there and there only does the Lord care to reign in the name of his Father. The Lord cares for no kingdom over anything this world calls a nation. A king must rule over his own kind. Jesus is a king in virtue of no conquest, inheritance, or election, but he is in right of his essential being, a true king. His subjects must be of his own kind in the very nature and essence, kings and queens. Now, what is George telling us? He's telling us a couple of things. One, he says... Jesus could have been the best king, president, and ruler of the world. That could have been something he could have done. But that wasn't a big enough goal for him. The governments of this world weren't the place he could make the greatest impact. You see, so often today, we worry about, don't we, who's going to be the next president? We'll be this person. We'll be that person. We've got to get the right person in the job or else everything's going to fall apart. Yet we see from Jesus' perspective, as important as government is, it wasn't important enough for him to take charge. You see, it was in the desert at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Remember when Satan comes to him and tempts Christ? He says, listen, Jesus, I'll let you rule the whole earth. I'll give it all over to you. Just worship me. You see, Satan gave him the opportunity to have the greatest empire in the world. And Jesus said no. 
Because though government rules over our external lives and the externals of who we are and what we do and how things work, Jesus wasn't quite too worried about the externals. Where Jesus can be the greatest king is where? It's in here. It's in here. So when he chose kingship on that Palm Sunday, he chose a kingship of peace, of invitation, of saying, what will you do? Yes, I am the king. How will you respond? Will you open your heart and life to me and let me be the primary ruler in your heart and life? Because as George MacDonald shares, his only goal and quest is to make kings like himself. That is, to make you and I look more and more like Jesus. And he says, what brings him more joy than anything is when we learn to love our neighbor as ourself and when we learn to be good, really good, like our Heavenly Father. That's the kind of king Jesus wants to be and to make. He wants you and I to be the best versions of human beings we can be with the help of his Holy Spirit. And so, how will we respond to Jesus as our king? The story today shares several examples. The good place to begin, for many of us, is the place of the crowd. The crowd that morning saw that Jesus was coming. They had been a part of his ministry on and off throughout the time together. They, they had pulled down the palm branches from the tree. They'd taken their coats off and they brought them and they'd placed them on the road, rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. And that's the place where we begin too. If Jesus really is king, the best thing we can do is lay down our heart, our palm branch, and say, Lord, you are my king. I surrender my heart and life to you. I give it to you. It's yours. It's not mine. So come, enter in on the red carpet and take over who I am. The second way that we can receive Jesus as king is like how the donkey and colt receive Jesus as king. You see, God even wishes for not just us as human beings, but wishes for his all, whole creation to respond in worship to the God who made them. And in this instance, we can see the donkey and colt become the vessels of service for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And in a similar way, we can, in letting Jesus come into our hearts and lives, we can say, Lord, how can you make me a greater vessel of service? for my family, for my neighbors, for my coworkers and classmates? How can I become a servant like the donkey and colt? Jesus, I'll carry on my back if I need to, but if there's other ways that I can serve, Lord, I'll follow you. And then the third example given in our story today is the example of the disciples themselves, right? The disciples started following Jesus two and a half years earlier. Jesus invited them to a journey to follow him, and they said yes. Now, two and a half years later, when Jesus tells them to do something that could have been thought to be crazy, 
Go to the town in front of you. Find me a donkey. I need a donkey today. Can you find me a donkey? They say, yeah, Jesus, we'll go do what you want us to do. What the disciples show us, brothers and sisters, is that if we are serious about following Jesus, it must change our lives. It must change how we live. It must change the decisions we make. It must change how we love others. It must change how we love our enemies. It must change how we forgive those who hurt us and, uh, and wound us. It must change us. If it doesn't change you, you're not following Jesus. If you're not doing what he tells you to do, you're not following him. He's not really your king until you begin to take steps to do what he tells you to do. And so will we really be disciples this Palm Sunday and follow him and do what he asks us to do? And then the fourth the fourth opportunity that is mentioned is even back then there were some who were uninformed. There were some who didn't know anything. They were late to the party. They didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. And as a result, all they can do is say, who the heck is this? And brothers and sisters, that's our opportunity to share. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in our culture today, even here in the Bible Belt, more and more people are spending more time on the golf course or the soccer field or the baseball field. More and more of us are spending time out there than in here. And more and more of the next generation know very little about this fellow named Jesus. And more and more this time of year are going to be asking, who is this? And brothers and sisters, one of the best things we can do, right, is say, this is Jesus. I've gotten to know him. He's transformed my life. I think you ought to get to know him too. Will you let him in to be your king? Because on this Palm Sunday, that's who we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be children of the King. And so, um, as we come to communion today on this Palm Sunday, one of the things I want to invite you to do is, as you come forward, you might want to bring your palm branch with you, right? And if you want to express your heart's desire for Jesus to be your King as you come and kneel, maybe just drop the palm branch on the other side. And uh, those of us who are super in communion, we may step on them a bit, but that's okay. Um, but today is our opportunity. Jesus was crucified because he claimed to be a king. What will you do with him? Will you let him rule you, heart and life? And will you share him with those that ask, who is this? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for this day. Lord, again, in our world, we see all these violent happenings in communities that are broken, in hearts that are angry, um, in lives that are bitter. And uh, Lord, they have missed you. They've missed your invitation to be King of kings and Lord of lords. They've missed your hope. 
They've missed your love. They've missed your call to be the best version of themselves in a broken world. And so, Lord Jesus, we need your kingship here in our church. We need your kingship in Rockdale County. We need your reign and rule in all our nation. We need you to be lifted up to the very ends of the earth so that the world may find the hope and transforming life of you, King Jesus. So, Lord, we have a chance to begin to take steps forward to do that in new ways here today. So, Jesus, help us say you are our King. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.